Good morning, Rock Bible. Good morning. Oh my goodness. That is the first time in a long time where I said good morning and you nailed it. <laughs> Usually I have to ask a couple times, sometimes three. You know, if you guys keep up this happy energy thing, people might start liking you. So, hey, um, if we start following the Lord, people like us for sure. That's why we're doing our series in the book of Sam. Amen. And I, I love uh, that bumper there and some of the things, you know, the Lord rewards a man for his righteousness and faithfulness. Man, let's figure out how to do that, right? That's why we're here. Um, we won't be here tomorrow night. What's tomorrow? Yes, you will be with your family or your friends. Hopefully you will have cooked something well, slowly, with juices or sometime. Have fun. Be around people. Uh, men's group is dispersed tomorrow. It's Memorial Day, uh, and we're kind of on break. We're doing something different for the summer. We re-resume a week from tomorrow at Doug's place, not the restaurant in Castro Valley, his actual backyard with the gazebo and the tables and the hot tub and the seating area. And So that'll be men's group coming up uh, a week from tomorrow. Um, but being a, that it's uh, Memorial Day, we have anybody we remember today? Yeah, in memory of? We've got service people that we know of. Anybody in the military? If you're in the military, stand up for me. There we go. All right. And go ahead, have a seat. How about um, people you lost? Right? That's what Memorial Day is about in many ways. Right, so um, I just want to say a prayer uh, for a moment before we jump into our passage. Right, because uh, I've I know we've lost um, quite a few lately, just in our family. And uh, let's pray, Lord. Uh, we thank you for what you let us have, and we are confused when you take them from us, and we miss them. But we're so grateful for the time we did have with them. I pray for each person here who's thinking of a, a lost loved one. And I just pray for comfort and and then Lord, show us how we continue um, without them. But uh, we trust that they're celebrating with you even as we speak. And so we thank you for that. We pray for our time this morning in your word. We know that the, the only path for us is you. And that one of the best ways to know you, understand you, as is commanded in your word, is to study your word. And so as we look at it this morning, I pray that you give us uh, insight, encouragement, maybe a little chastising, um, but be with us this morning in our time. We pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. You, have, you ever had a harebrained idea? Why so much laughing? <laughs> that must be more common than I thought. I thought I was one of the only ones who had bad ideas and said, oh, here, uh, hold this. I want to try something, right? Um, famous last words sometimes, right? <clears throat> we have a young man who's got a harebrained idea. And um, it's kind of interesting how it plays out. And then Saul's going to get involved also. And we're going to kind of see mm, what's going on here, Okay. And the idea is um, working with God. All right, if you get out your outline at the top, it says 1 Samuel chapter 14. 
And then it says, working with God. See, if you have a harebrained idea, it usually fails for what reason? Now, reference, I just mentioned the title, and then I asked you, when does a harebrained idea fail? Put those two together. Oh, when you work without God, it fails? Okay, can we say the reciprocal is true? Well, I could if I knew what reciprocal meant. I mean, the opposite, okay? When you have a harebrained idea, could it still work out? I think I'm going to ask her to marry me. Maybe I shouldn't. She could say no. But it turns out that it works sometimes. Right? Unfortunately for Julie. (laughs) Right? Boy, she's been on the ride, hasn't she? Um, You try something that seems unnatural. You might have a supernatural experience if God decides. Love that. And that's what we're going to see with Jonathan. Who's Jonathan? Jonathan's Saul's son. Okay, so Saul's been made king uh, because uh, the people wanted one, and Samuel, the priest, the prophet, he was like, no, not a good idea. No, we demand one. We want to be like everybody else. Which, uh, please, I hope that you've struck that phrase from your vocabulary, from your day-to-day economy. Oh, I want to be like everybody else. They're doing it. No. Just because someone else is doing it doesn't mean you need to do it. So they put Saul in as king. Now we're going to meet Saul's son, who has been in the story, kind of, but we haven't actually heard him speak yet. The kid can talk. Who knew, right? First Samuel chapter 14, verse 1, here we go. One day, Jonathan, son of Saul, that's how I figured it out, said to the young man who carried his armor, Come, let us go over to the Philistine garrison on the other side. Philistines are the enemies, for those of you who are just joining us. Um, They're the bad guys for this story. They're not always the bad guys, but in this story they are. Okay, They've been fighting and the whole thing. Um, But he didn't tell his father, Saul, king. So you're about to do something without telling the king. Now, if that's like you took some chicken from the yard and cooked it without asking permission, that's one thing. Picking a fight with the country that you're at war with, that's a whole nother level of harebrained idea, right? So he's about to run off and kind of do his own thing, which I can relate to. Saul was staying at the outskirts of Gibeah in the pomegranate cave at Megron, which is kind of interesting and kind of means almost nothing. He's just far away. And the people who were with him were about 600 men, including Ahijah, son of Ahitub. Now there's a name. What's your name? Ahitub. I, I like the low tubs. Sorry, I got, a, I got a quota for pastor humor. It's like dad humor, only you have a much bigger forced audience. I'm, I'm looking for the app, Pastor Jokes. When that show, if anybody finds it, let me know. You know somebody's looking for it right now anyways. Um, Ichabod's brother, son of Phineas, son of Eli, priest of the Lord at Shiloh. So related to Eli, who was the priest before uh, Samuel became priest. So 
we're, we're in the lineage and we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. Wearing an ephod. So they're all set up. And the people did not know that Jonathan had gone. Within the passes by which Jonathan sought to go over to the Philistine garrison, there was a rocky, rocky crag on one side and a rocky crag on the other side. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is use the phrase rocky crag this week in day-to-day conversation. Um, what's this about? It, it's, uh, you can't see them when they're coming. You can't tell how many are with them. This will play into the story in just a second. The name of the one was Bozes and the name of the other, Sene. One crag rose in the north in front of the Michmash, the other on the south in front of Geba. All right, we're just getting through this. Here we go. Jonathan said to the young man who carried his armor, come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. Ooh, that's a, um, that's a critique. That's a name calling, right? Mostly it's saying they don't have a relationship with the Lord we do. They're not supposed to be here. We are. Let's go solve this. Now, this is a little bit harebrained because he should be doing this with God. He should be doing it with King. He definitely should be doing this with backup or army. It's just him and his armor bearer. It may be that the Lord will work for us. That's a dangerous statement. You know, maybe God will bless us. Right? Two against thousands, right? Um, this, is, this is a bad idea by human standards. But then watch what he says, because this is where we turn from harebrained to, Lord, he might be on to something. Right? For nothing can hinder the Lord. True statement? Then it's true about whether he saves by many or saves by few. He said, look, if God wants to do something, he doesn't even need two people. It's kind of interesting. Now, I have trouble with that just from the physics, science, mathematic, economics standpoint. I like to see the math and the equation. Like, I want to know how it's going to play out. And many times God does things in miraculous ways, full of mystery. Why? so that you don't understand it. And as you're scratching your head on something that totally makes no sense, where do you end up? Well, there's only one explanation. It's a miracle, right? Who gets credit for that? God. Okay. Now, this happens much more than you think. Us guys know it because the idea that a woman would fall for a man, we all think that's a miracle. Amen, guys? Amen. Yeah, see, <laughs> they didn't want to say amen, but they're like, I know it's true, but I don't want to admit it. Yeah. <clears throat> Let's go over to these uncircumcised Philistines. Which, by the way, we're going to hear that phrase again in a little bit because there's a new king coming, and he's going to say something very similar about the uncircumcised uh, Philistines. Because um, God can do it with just a couple guys. His armor bearer said to him, Do all that is in your heart, do as you wish. Behold, I am with you, heart and soul. That's the long version of what they're saying today. Let's go. We're going. I'm on your side. <coughs> Jonathan said, Behold, we're going to cross over to the men, and we will show ourselves to them. Wait a minute. I thought we had 
rocky crags. I told you to use that phrase this week in everyday language. Rocky crags so that they can't see you coming. This is harebrained idea number two, right? We could go concealed, we'll sneak in all stealth-like. Instead, no, let's, let's walk out from behind the rocks and be like, hey guys, <laughs> no, We're gonna, they're going to see us. And if they say, wait until we come to you, then we will stand in our place and we will not go up to them. They say, hey, they're coming to us, then we'll believe them and we'll just wait for them right? But if they say, come up to us, then we will go up, for the Lord has given them into our hand, and this shall be the sign to us. <laughs> what? <laughs> Two guys walk up out of the step behind, you know, from what they're hiding. Hey, we're the enemy. We're right here. And they say, oh yeah, goodness, hey, come on over here. We got something for you, <laughs> right? I mean, Talk about walking into a trap. <clears throat> so both of them showed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines. Verse 11. And the Philistines said, look, Hebrews. <laughs> They're coming out of the holes where they have hidden themselves. Okay. Men of the garrison hailed Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, uh, hey, come here. We want to show you something. <laughs> right? Hairbrain idea number three. Here it comes. And Jonathan said to his armor, come up after me, for the Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. Now, tell me what about that equation makes any sense? None. Who's going to win? It's really weird. Watch this. They've given, uh, the Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. Notice Jonathan never talks about himself. Or his armor bearer. It's all God may, God can, nothing can hinder God. God has given, right? What's his focus? Bam, watch this. Verse 13, Jonathan climbed up on his hands and feet. He's having to crawl up to get to this place. With his armor bearer after him, and they fell, uh, uh, <coughs> and they fell before Jonathan. That means he's taking guys out. Watch this. And his armor bearer killed them after him. So he's going through the crowd whacking guys, stabbing them, doing whatever. And as they go down, Jonathan, or, uh, the armor bearer is coming up behind him, like giving a little stab in the heart or something. You know, he's making sure they're dead so nobody's coming up behind him. They're winning. Watch this. At that first strike, with Jonathan and his armor bearer made, killed about 20 men within, as it were, half a furrow's length in an acre of land. So in a very short amount of distance and time, they took out 20 guys. Now, good news, they're making a movie about this. Marvel's going <laughs> to... Sounds like a superhero, right? And there was panic in the camp, in the field, among all the people. This is where the equations start to make sense to me. You start looking for Fred and Tony, and you find out 20 guys are missing, and then you find out Hebrews are in the camp. You might think there's more than two, and you think you're already losing. Everybody panics, Right? Quick, grab the swords. Watch this. They're panicked so much, it's, it's going to all collapse on them. Verse 15. And there was a panic in the camp and in the field and among all the people. The garrison and even the raiders trembled. So apparently the raiders losing tradition has been a lot longer than we knew <laughs> in Oakland. Verse 16. 
the earth quaked and, be, and there became a very great panic. I love the earthquake there. What's that about? Is that God just being a little cheeky? <laughs> hey, just say, so you know, I'm here. I'm going to make the ground shake. I love that. All right. And the watchmen of Saul and Gibeah of Benjamin looked, and behold, the multitude was dispersing here and there. And then Saul said to the people who were with him, um, What's going on? Count. Find out who's gone from us. Who left? And they counted. Behold, John or Jonathan. Um, we might be calling him John today um, because it's my son's first name. And by accident, in practice, because of what I'm used to, it's kind of like when I get a name wrong in a wedding, which, by the way, don't do that. All right? You know what's worse? Get it wrong at a funeral. Did that the other day. Most embarrassing things in my life. Right? So, John, it, it turned out okay. I'm pretty sure. Right? <laughs> John and his armor bearer were not there. So Saul said to Ahijah, bring the ark of God here. Now the king has asked for the ark. Here's why. For the ark of God went at that time with the people of Israel. When they went out to battle, you take the ark with you. In fact, they put the ark in front for some reason. That makes no sense. Because then they could break the ark, take the ark, whatever. But somehow God said, no, this makes no sense. And so it's going to be a miracle and you're going to give me credit. So they would take the ark. He said, hey, we're going to battle. Now, is this a motivated father? Men, if you get a call and you find out your kid's in trouble, how fast are you in the car or online booking a flight or whatever? Everything stops at that moment. I know for me. I'll move faster than you've ever seen me move in my life. You come after my kid, it's on. Game over. And I'm calling the biggest, meanest guys I know. Right? Just the way it is. Um, and while Saul was talking to the priest, the tumult in the camp of the Philistines increased more and more. It's getting so bad. Watch what happens with Saul. Saul said to the priest, withdraw your hand. Wait, wait, stop. I know I told you to get the ark. Hold on a second. What's going on? Now, I want to I make a subtle um, observation here. Saul is a guy who has been kind of stepping on his own feet because he's doing his own thing. He, he's, um, <laughs> he's the king of harebrained ideas up to this point. But in this scenario, he figures out who's missing. And what's the first thing he says? What's the first thing he does? Go get God. So Saul might be turning a little bit in the right direction here. And God's already made the earth quake. And, and God is making the confusion in the Philistine camp so great that Saul's like, wait a minute, I, we got to stop because I have no idea what's going on here. Verse 20, then Saul and all the people were with him, rallied and went into the battle. Behold, every Philistine sword was against his fellow, and there was great confusion, very great confusion. He said, you know what? I think God's already delivered us. What's going on? Let's run in there, see what happened. They run in there. Who's fighting? Who are they fighting with? They're fighting with themselves? Now, this makes sense to me because this is what would happen 
for a lot of you if you walked into my house, right? Or, oh, they're fighting amongst themselves again, right? Um, hey, give me the sword. No, that's my sword. You know, and they start fighting over stuff. Goofy. <clears throat> Verse 21, now the Hebrews who had been with the Philistines before that time and had gone up with them into the camp, even they also turned to be with the Israelites who were with Saul and Jonathan. Uh, Hebrews were occupied by the Philistines. They had some Hebrews that worked for them, probably slave labor or by agreement, whatever. Um, so the Hebrews that were there kind of playing nice or, you know, forced to be there they took up arms and now it's not just jonathan and his armor bearer now all of a sudden he's got every, every hebrew that happened to be there and the king showed up with all his and now now is it a fair fight looks like a lot more than a fair fight than two versus thousands this this could maybe work out watch what happens um Likewise, when all the men of Israel who had hidden themselves in the hill country of Ephraim heard that the Philistines were fleeing, they too followed hard after them in the battle. So the Lord saved Israel that day. And the battle passed beyond beth Aven. Men of Israel had been hard-pressed that day, so Saul had laid an oath on the people, saying, so it had been, been a big day, right? So Saul says, you know what, we, we got to, we got to acknowledge this. Here I decree. This is an oath. The vow. Cursed be the man who eats food until it is evening. And God is avenged of his enemies. Is that what it says? Ooh, harebrained idea. He's, he's inserted himself now again. Until I am avenged on my enemies. So none of the people tasted food. Now... When all the people came to the forest, behold, there was honey on the ground. What? There's honey on the ground? Have you ever walked up on natural honey? Oh, well, I no one can relate to this. Let's just uh, shut it down. I'll see you next week. All right. Uh, when the people entered the forest, behold, the honey was dripping, dropping, but no one put his hand to his mouth, for they feared the oath of the king. Saul said, don't eat anything. But Jonathan, remember, he had gone out ahead. He hadn't heard. His father charged the people with an oath, so he put out the tip of his staff with his hand and dipped it in the honeycomb and put his hand to his mouth, and his, his eyes became bright. That's a fun way of saying what? Mmm, good, right? Yum. He's having a great time. Uh, then, verse 28, one of the people said, your father strictly charged the people with an oath, saying, cursed be the one who eats food this day. And the people were faint. And Jonathan said, my father has troubled the land. Ooh, might be the only person who can say that. Right? Say something bad about the king. See how my eyes became bright because I tasted a little of this honey? How much better if the people had eaten freely today of the spoil of their enemies that they found? For now the defeat among the Philistines has not been great. Here's Jonathan who's been pursuing the Lord, believes that God can win with just two guys, doesn't need a whole army, and he's working that way. He says, you know, why are we doing this to the people? This victory could have been even better if we could have eaten. My dad's ruining things. 
because dad is uh he wants to be avenged himself and his enemies to be when it's like no these these is god's thing They struck down the Philistines, verse 31, that day from Michmash to Ahijalon. And the people were very faint. And the people pounced on the spoil and took the sheep and the oxen and the calves and slaughtered them on the ground. Are you supposed to slaughter animals on the ground? This is a statement about haste, right? They're so hungry. They're just, doing, they're just cutting them open as they find them. And not super sanitary. More importantly, it's against Levitical law. Like, this is not the way you do stuff. Right. You don't you got to sacrifice and the whole thing. People pounce on them and the, and and slaughter them and ate them with the blood. They didn't cook them or anything. That's dangerous. They then they told Saul, behold, the people are sinning against the Lord by eating with the blood. You're not supposed to do that. You sacrifice the blood. Right. Drain them. And he said, you've dealt treacherously. Roll a great stone to me here. He's saying, bring a great stone because he wants to set up an altar, a sacrifice. They're going to do he, Saul's now trying to do it, do it right. Saul said, Disperse yourselves among the people and say to them, Let every man bring his ox or his sheep to slaughter them here and eat, and do not sin against the Lord by eating the blood. So every one of the people brought his ox with him that day, and they slaughtered him there. So now they're doing it right. And Saul built an altar to the Lord with that rock, and it was the first altar that he built to the Lord. Ooh, what's cool about that? When you read your Bible, I want you to get stuck. What? That sounds counterintuitive, Scott. Not stuck like you would, you know, somebody's stuck and so they go see a counselor because they don't know what to do. I want you to get stuck on purpose on phrases that you think are just there as filler and recognize why they're more than filler. What just happened? It was the first altar that he built to the Lord. He's changing? And how, how's he changing? He's eating the food with the blood now? No. What's he doing? He's, a, he's starting to acknowledge God. And he's starting to lead people toward God. Could you do that? Ooh. Right? Then Saul said, hey, we've been winning. Let's keep on winning. We're at war. Let's fight some more. Right? Ever met anybody like that? A little too aggressive for their own good? Yeah, I think he's speaking right now. Yeah. Um, let us go down after the Philistines by night and plunder them until the morning light. Again, let us not leave a man of them. Let's kill them all. And they said, do whatever seems good to you. But the priest said, hold up a minute. Let's draw near to God here. Right after he builds his first altar to the Lord, he's about to just run off again. When Jonathan ran off, he talked about God. When he goes to run off, he talks about, let's kill them all and plunder it. Any mention of God in his statement? Say no. Right? Uh, do whatever you want to do. And the priest stops and said, uh, hold on a second. Now Saul catches himself, verse 37, and says uh, he inquired of God. All right, we got him talking to God again. You see how Saul's going back and forth? It's a good thing you're not that way. <laughs> Scott, was that sarcasm or accuracy? Both. Saul asked God, what's another way to say that? 
Saul prayed. Saul prayed. You can do that too. Should I go down after the Philistines? God, should I keep going? God, is this your plan? What should I do next? Those are all great prayers. Amen? Amen. Yeah. Will you give me in them into the uh, hand of Israel? Are you going to give them to us? Or should we go take them? Or what's going on? But he did not answer him that day. Ooh. Ooh. <clears throat> Let's have a little test. Emergency broadcast system. This is more than a test. Does God answer prayer? But He did not answer him that day. Does God answer prayer? Are you sure? What's the difference here? Sometimes He makes you, and I hate this word. I, don't you hate that word? Wait. You walk in, oh, sir, wait right here. Oh. Right? Does God answer prayer? Yes. When? My, one of my other favorite words. Later. <laughs> Did he say no? Uh, so at least, well, he didn't say no. He's just, he's giving me the silent treatment. Don't worry. That'll happen to you too. Just so you don't miss out on having this experience. God will make you wait. He'll tell you later. And He'll tell you neither yes nor no. And probably what's He doing? Teaching you patience, but trying to get your attention and have you wait on Him. Right? Change your focus. All great things. Did I answer Him that day? And Saul said, Come here, all you leaders of the people. And know and see how this sin has arisen today. He said, hey, gather up the council. Something's wrong. We're going to find out what's wrong here. For as the Lord lives who saves Israel, though it be my son Jonathan, he shall surely die. Now, insert have to pastor joke right here. What is it? Why did he call Jonathan Shirley? No, I know it's bad. Um, this is funny, right? We just heard a story about Jonathan. Did he sin? Did he break the oath? What was the oath? Nobody eats until dinner, until nighttime, and I'm avenged of my enemies, and I've won. And he got the honey, and then his eyes got bright. And here's Saul. Hey, you know, even if it's my son, he's going to die. Why did he say that? He had confidence. Oh, my son would never cross me. That's the safest vow of all time. And yet... Oops. Um, I've never made a vow that involves my kid's life. As no one ever should. I guess somehow when you become king, you don't get the memo. Or you forget or something. Whatever. What's about to happen? Jonathan's going to die. <laughs> right? You think that's coming? But there was not a man among all the people who answered him. I, they, uh, did you just hear what the king said? Oh, you tell him. I'm not telling him. Let's go get Mikey, right? <laughs> then he said to all Israel, you shall be on one side, and I and Jonathan, my son, will be on the other side. We're going to figure out where the sin is. 
They do this uh, casting of lots kind of thing. And they would see, and God would speak to them this way. Like, uh, where's the problem? Over on this side with everybody from Israel? Or over on this side with just John, Jonathan and the king? That's the question, right? And the people said to Saul, do what seems good to you. <laughs> Careful what you ask for. Uh, there, therefore Saul said, O Lord, uh, God of Israel, why have you not answered your servant this day? If this guilt is in, in me or in Jonathan, my son, O Lord, God of Israel, give Urim. It's some type of thing that you're going to, this stuff's going to come out. We're going to see this. Or, but if the guilt is in your people, Israel, then give Thumim. Probably some type of uh, plant or mineral or something like that. I didn't research that too much. Not the point. Jonathan and Saul were taken, but the people escaped. So apparently this one thing came out or grew or whatever. Then Saul, verse 42, said, cast a lot between me and my son Jonathan. Now he's panicked. Someone's got to die. And now it's just me and my son. And who did he just include? He just included himself. Man, I hope I'm the one that made a mistake because I don't want him to die. Jonathan was taken. And Saul said to Jonathan, what have you done? Jonathan told him, I tasted a little honey with the tip of the staff that was in my hand. Here I am. I'll die. I, I hate this and I love this. I hate this because we don't want to lose Jonathan. He did nothing wrong. Right? But I love this because Jonathan is trying to pursue God in every way, shape, and form. He's got faith to win wars. And he says, if it's my time to die, here I am, take me now. And that's not me. I, I just don't think I could do that. Right? He's ahead of me. Saul said, God do so to me and more also. You shall surely die, Jonathan. This is a, a lament. This is a statement of sorrow. And then the people said to Saul, Shall Jonathan die? Wait, there's hope. Shall Jonathan die? Who has worked this great day, this great salvation in Israel? Far from it. As the Lord lives, there shall not one hair of his head fall to the ground. For he has... Look at your outline. Look at the top. 1 Samuel chapter 14. So you're convinced again today as every week. I don't make this stuff up. He's worked with God. What's the title? Working with God. This is the point. Saul keeps missing it. He dabbles in it and then he goes back and forth. But who worked with God the whole time? Jonathan. It's a good kid. Right? Came home with A's on his report card. Right? When it comes to God. As the Lord lives, we're not even going to hurt one hair on his head. This is the people speaking up against the king. First sign of a democracy. Uh, so the people ransomed Jonathan so that he did not die. Now, you know the king went along with this, right? Well, you know, I was supposed to, but all the people, well, they wanted Jonathan. So I kind of had to acquiesce, and I guess we'll let him live. Is that, was that how he did it? No, he was overjoyed. Right? They ransomed Jonathan. Then Saul went up from pursuing the Philistines. What just happened there? What was the original question? How'd they find out that Jonathan had eaten the honey? 
The question was, am, am I supposed to go attack the Philistines? What's God more concerned about? I need you to figure out that you're not following me the way you could. And you're about to try and kill the one who was. Are you working with me? Let's fix that before we go off to war. Which is a great, by the way, um, devotional for next time you think you want to be in an argument or pick a fight or type up some big thing and post it, send that email, make that phone. You might ask, hey, do, should I work towards God a little bit before I engage in this conflict? It's a great reset to put you in the right place before you step in it, right? He went out from pursuing the Philistines, and the Philistines went to their own place. Who else decided to not fight? Whoa, you mean your actions could have ramifications for other people? Everybody gets to live. May the Lord bless the reading of His Word. Amen? Amen. Um, let's, let's get into this. Before this, I, can I give you a commercial? I'm very excited and very depressed. Because next week is going to be chapter 15. I'm very excited about that. I hope you'll be here. It's going to be fun. The following week is Mexico. Y todos vamos a comer los tacos. Um, uh, Mark Campbell, Tribal Way, he's been here a bunch of times. He's led men's retreats for us and the whole thing. He's a little edgy. Praise the Lord, right? He gets harebrained ideas, but he does them with God, and they work out. He's going to come and share in two weeks, and he gets to do 1 Samuel chapter 16. I wanted 1 Samuel 16, and I was kind of like, you know, Mark, you could kind of, you could come up with your own, why don't you tell us about your ministry, or pick another pastor, you don't, yeah, we're doing a series. I usually do the series. I just pick something. He's like, oh, no, I love 1 Samuel 16. I can't wait. I'll be there on the 11th. So, and then, you, you know, like, it comes in waves. You know, it never, like, one bad thing happens. Like, two bad things happen. And then sometimes they come in, yeah. So the following week, I, I'm, I need to be gone. And I asked, I asked this other guy, John Tompkins, hey, you know, it's Father's Day, but I need a preacher. Da, da, da. You know what he tells me today? I think I'm going to do 1 Samuel 17. <laughs> My whole series is getting taken. All right, who signed up for 18? No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Um, let's move into this, uh, and I'm really, I'm excited. Well, we're in Mexico doing mission trip and the whole thing. You get to hear from two uh, most amazing men for me in my life. So be here or be square, all right? Um, what do we take from this? How do, how do we work with God? Was that me? It was? I'm blaming it on them. Never blame a sound booth because they control everything. How do we do this? I want you to see um, from verse 6, 33 and 35, and then 37. Um, we, we got Jonathan and we got Saul both trying new things. In fact, Jonathan, I called it harebrained idea. Actually, 
post facto, now we got to call it brilliant. Right? Wasn't it brilliant? At the time that he attempted it, we joke that it's harebrained. When it works out and God's like, oh yeah, we can do this. I can do anything. Watch me. Afterwards, we go, wow, that shouldn't have worked. But then it did. Wow. What's that take? It means you take a chance on new attempts at connecting with God. Jonathan and Saul have done this a couple times. One of those later verses, Saul built his first altar to the Lord. What kind of guts would it take? Hey, if I took some of you and said, hey, I want you to redesign the stage at the church, especially the podium, Imagine the, there's a little pressure there, right? Because not only is it for God and on state, people are going to see it. And the whole, he just decided, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a shot at the, here, roll me a stone. What are your new attempts? You want to see God do things? Stop doing bottom shelf. We say grace before every meal. Ah, good for you. What, Scott, you don't believe in grace before a meal? I do, but I believe in grace all the time. I want to talk to him more than just when I'm past the peas and carrots. You hear something rough? Pray about it. Here's something you're confused about? Pray about it. Why? He said, uh, he started talking to God? You know, Samuel's been doing most of the talking to God for Saul up to this point, and then here it says, Saul inquired of the Lord. He tried a new attempt. How about you read your Bible? It gets stuck in it in places on purpose. Remember I said that a little bit earlier? Yeah. Scott, it sounds really close to you saying read your Bible and pray like Sunday school. Yeah. But do it differently. Do it like you want to get something out of it. Mean something from it. I know a guy, he read through the whole Bible in a short amount of time, eh, years, but he read through the whole thing. He's done. Congratulations. Did you just give him a certificate then? You know, it's the weirdest thing. He's still reading. In fact, I think he read through it a second time. He might be on his third I know other people who've read through the Bible so many times they can't remember how many times they read through it. Why would you do that? That's like uh, uh, Mary Alice used to say, right? I'm studying for the final. You got to have new attempts with God if you want to experience something. You want to experience the grace of God? Put it out there. Ask for healing when it's unlikely. When the equation no longer works. Do something beyond reason in an attempt because when you do that, even if it fails, is it going to fail sometimes? Because God says no, right? I'm really ticked off at Him because of that. He's told me no on some big ones lately, right? A couple weeks ago, I was at three funerals in 10 days. I don't like no. I hate no. 
But in the midst of that, at least he's talking to me, right? And we're, what's that bottom fill in there? We're connecting. Sometimes he's telling us things to get our attention to move us an inch in the direction that he wants us to go a mile. You want a relationship? Introduce yourself. You want to have a good experience? Talk to the checkout person. My kids hate this. I talk to everybody now. I just like people. You know, they're checking stuff out. Hey, Amy, how's it going? And they're like, oh, he's read my name tag. They start having a conversation. Well, Scott, I'm not really a per people person. I'm more of an introvert. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Try a new attempt. Here's the other thing that I do. Sometimes, and I, this is going to be really hard for you to believe, sometimes I shut up. What? Who are you? And what have you done with Scott? No, I'm, I'm a talker. You sometimes, I'll just, when someone else's turn, like I'm starting to ask myself this question more and more. Hey, is it someone else's turn to talk right now? I'm just going to let talk, Doug talk. I'm just going to listen. Whoa, what's that? It's a new attempt. It's a small one. But do you know cool things happen? You start to hear about people. Understand where their heart is. Maybe something you could pray for. Maybe some project they have. I recently got myself into a scenario with a buddy of mine, Brian, that uh, I, had, I had no... No inkling that I just not even on my radar on any stretch. And I just was listening to him and asked a couple questions. And it's like, oh my goodness. What? And we're now we're having a lot of fun. All right? It's a new attempt. It's a new attempt. All right. You gotta do these new attempts. All right, uh, number two. Uh, well, and then, then the question is on that one, what what's what's your new attempt gonna be? You have to um, actually answer the question. It's not a question. It's, it's a command. Take a chance on new attempts with connecting with God. It looks like a command. So then take it as a command, right? What's the question? What are you going to try? What could you do next? Um, that might be a name, by the way. That might be a person you're going to make an attempt with. Okay? That might be a behavior that you're going to negate because you know it's killing you. Um, it might be a new behavior that you're going to try because you know it's going to edify you. What's edify? Build up. It's going to grow you. It's church. We have to use the word edify every once in a while. It's a quote, I think. Um, only attempt God-based vows. Number two. Saul makes... I mean, talk about harebrained ideas. Saul makes the stupidest vow. And then he even names it in the vow. Even if it's my son, he's going to die. What? No. This is the shut up thing I was telling you about earlier. Sometimes I shut up because... Who knows what God's going to do? I'm really trying to limit how many general absolute statements I make to people 
hey, you know, that's very interesting. I'm going to help you with that. What just happened? Now I'm committed. And then the day they need me, they're going to call and I'm going to be traveling in another state doing a wedding or something. And it's like, oh, I know I told you I was going to help you, but I made a vow that wasn't God-based. I just I wanted so bad to be committed to you and act like I'm important by being such a caring person that I didn't check my calendar. I didn't talk to the boss, Julie. Uh, so now I got to go back and say I'm sorry. Right? I made a godless vow years ago. How'd it go? Went horribly. <laughs> she said it went horribly. Watch this. You know what the vow was? That went horribly? I will never start a church. <laughs> it went horribly. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, we <laughs> Thank you. John laughed. The I am... Gosh, seriously, I am cracking myself up. We have to have fun at church or don't come. It's going to hurt sometimes and we got to grow in the whole thing. But we got to make sure that we're connecting with that guy so we can make vows that are based in him. Because it could say, never make godless vows. That's what Saul did. But we turned it into the positive. Not only am I going to avoid the godless ones what are the ones i can make god show me how to help them it may be different than what they ask but rather than me vow i'm going to help you with that let me talk to god about how i can help you who do we just insert in the question in the statement god that's what Jonathan did. He was inserting God in his sentences, his questions, his vows, the whole thing. It may be that God will deliver them into our hand because God is not hindered. Wow. Until you attempt the stuff and make a, make, take a shot at it, it just it won't happen. All right? um, what's a vow? What's a God-based vow you can make? Bam, there's a vow. We stand before God, right? Covenant with her, her with me, that's it. Now keep that covenant. Now there's other ones too, better ones, lesser ones. Wait, there's a better vow than marriage? Yeah, because maybe you're not supposed to be married. You know that? Some of you, I got questions. No, um, it might be that God has in a place where he wants you to be doing something else before you get married. Others of you, he's like grabbing you and smacking you. How come you haven't gotten married yet? Right? Who knows? Here's how you know if it's better or worse. Is it you? Does it fit you? Because the fastest way to do a God-less vow is to look at someone else and say, well, the McGrogans have done this a bunch of times. I'm supposed to do this too? No, they're panicking right now, by the way. <laughs> Here's the thing. <clears throat> I have a daughter. Praise the Lord. Uh, she has a car. She drives most of the time. Service light came on for the regular, uh, you know, change the oil, blah, blah, blah. So I take her car to get it 
service. Okay, thank you. I get stuck sometimes. I get in the car, and I'm like, whoa, this is weird. Like, what was wrong? The seat was in the wrong spot for sure. Now, restate that in the positive. The seat was in the exact correct position for her. Let's just say I got bigger hips and uh, I got more of a torso. Let's say that, longer legs, that whole thing. I'm taller. I'm adjusting mirrors, several, steering wheel, seat, up and down, tilt, all that kind of stuff. The air conditioning, I, I don't know how you ladies live with as warm it is, is all the time. Like guys, I need the air conditioning on, right? I'm just always hot. I had to adjust because it's not my car. Now, don't you dare tell her that, okay? It's my car. But it's the one she, and for me to try and fit into her setting is totally irrational. In fact, if I don't adjust all those things before I drive, my odds of being of you speaking at my funeral goes up, <laughs> right? So we, we've got to make sure that we're doing ones that fit us. Some people are in the Bible, and, and, and they're good at it. And they memorize it, and they pull things out of it. You don't have to be that person. Some people do worship on a level that's insane. They remember all the words. They know the title. They, they could tell you who wrote it and what key it's in. Key? <laughs> that's not me. You don't have to be that person. Here's What you have to be is you have to have a way. Find an attempt, a place where you can vow stuff specific that works for you. And then it's awesome. Awesome. All right. Last one. Challenge yourself. Was Saul willing to challenge himself? He was. We're going to set Israel over there. Put me and my son over here. Was he willing to challenge himself when Israel stood up and said, no, you're not killing Jonathan. In fact, you're not even going to touch one hair on his head. Was he willing to challenge himself when something came up and he gets the priest and says, go get the, uh, the ark? Was he willing to challenge himself when it was time to build an ark, or, or not an ark, an altar, and he says, here, roll me a stone? He was willing to challenge himself. Was, was Jonathan willing to challenge himself? <sighs> I think he had the worst challenges in the story. Right? I want to be Saul before Jonathan. Not because I want to be king. I just The odds of Jonathan dying were too high for my comfort level. right? But all of them put themselves in a position where they could stand corrected. They could have been corrected. God could have, God could have said no. Emphatic no. Like smack you and then say no. We have to be corrected. We make mistakes. We get hair-brained ideas when we go off on our own, when we make godless vows, when we fail to attempt to connect with Him. We get lost. 
there is a way that seems right to a man, and its end leads to destruction. That's the translation I like because of the gravity of the word. We've we got to find the comfort in correction that might be a write it down. we got to find comfort in correction. Scott, why would you have us write that down? Because it's ironic. To be corrected usually feels uncomfortable, and yet there's a comfort in correction. What is it? You're getting closer to right. When you seem humble and cooperative, what does it do to the person that you're interacting with? They feel safer around you. you got to find comfort in correction. That means own your wrong. When you're wrong, you got to own it. Have, have you met, do you have any of these people that are never wrong? And you have conversations with them. They call them conversations. Um, you call them arguments because they're wrong and they won't go with it. And, and you're trying and it doesn't matter. And they always flip it back to themselves as the subject. And they shift the blame to you, right? They shift the blame off of themselves. This is borderline narcissistic behavior, right? And it's unhealthy, Jonathan walks into it going, I could be wrong here. I mean, God could do it, but I mean, this is pretty crazy. What do you think? You know who I haven't talked about yet? The armor bearer. Who's this guy? Oh, yeah, that sounds good. Let's go. What? Surround yourself with people who are willing to be corrected. I have a few of those in my life, and I'm blown away how quickly they will admit, how quickly they will own, how fast they will course correct, adjust, apologize. Because what's the priority for those people? With themselves, their relationship with themselves? I just want to feel good about me. I am the way I am. I can't help it. I just like to say things the way they are. Blah, blah. No. What relationship is their priority? And? Oh, you mean there's practical ways to love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself? Yeah. Know when you're incorrect. I love this story. I love the whole Saul, Jonathan, Samuel. We're about to meet David. Stinking Mark Campbell. <clears throat> it's way more than uh, a progression of kings or the beginning of kings and the progression of who comes after. It's, you know, sometimes we as Christians, we complain about lineages in the Bible and that kind of, it's, it's so much more. We get to see how God works. Why would God show you how He works? Have you figured this one out yet? Look at this thing. My Bible is better than yours. Look at how thick this thing is. 
No, I'm, I'm joking. They're, they're all great. Amen? Why would we have this much information? That's like two inch. What? Why would he give us this and show us how he works? So you could work with him how he works so that you could work with him. That's why he shows us all this stuff. That's why he, he, he takes a knucklehead who says, I'll never start a church. and goes, ha, 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 that's funny. You making godless vows. I'm going to stick you right smack dab in the middle. And here's the weird thing. You're going to like it. No, I could never. Yeah, sorry, Scotty. You know nothing. That's how he talks to me. God. What needs to be corrected? What can you commit to him? And what will you try? Now, if you've never started this relationship with him, buy a ticket. Join. Tell him I want to start. Me and you from now on. That could be your prayer with God, you and Jesus. All right, God, I've listened to this Scott guy too much. I've been around too many Christians. It's time. Me and you, from now on. Correct me. Connect with me. Say it that way. Or say it however you want. Just get started. Half of why we exist. Amen? Lord, thanks for this morning and uh, your word and all the different ways it plays out. Thank you, Lord, for the depth and detail of this story. And may we see more and more how you come out of it and enlighten us. God, this just hit me. God, just may, may our experience with you be like Jonathan's and the honey where our eyes would get bright because we have tasted real connection with you I pray that each person here would find whatever they need to do to step in that direction and have that experience with you we thank you for what we're about to receive this offering we pray no one feels obligated to give And then we pray, Lord, for those who are asking you into their life for the first time. Give them confidence and connect them with us that we might help. We pray all this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. May you get to work. Amen. Amen. Go with him.